following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Episode 833 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host. I'm back. I want to do something different. Like, did you, I was going to make a joke. Did you forget how to do the show? Welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Episode 833 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, and I'm joined by your other host, Brittany page did you did you forget how to do the show at this point <laughs> did, was that rusty sounding i mean it's just a an interesting interesting way to open the show <laughs> apparently i'm the one who forgot how to do the show it has been a while we're so happy to be back i don't know if you knew this audience but jesse was diagnosed with colon cancer <laughs> oh shit <laughs> And, Wait, I was? And he he had colon cancer surgery yes. to remove about 35%, right, of your colon? Yeah, I think so. That's what she said, roughly a third or 35% uh, in the pre-op. But I haven't really asked her that specific question because I was so in pain in the hospital. So there's some details I need to yeah, which, iron out for the audience's sake. Which is why we have... An appointment on Friday yes. for the post-op consultation to see how you're healing up and see if you can have a normal diet again. See if I have to go through chemo. See if you have to go through chemo. Yeah. And that that's one thing. So we were waiting on the biopsy results of the, the, the cancerous mass that was in your colon that they removed, that they sliced out. And mm. I, I want to talk about that too, by the way, the surgery. Well, we should go through all of it, but yeah. I want to say up front that we got initial results, but they aren't, it's not like, here's what stage it is and here's what's going forward. Wait a it's, it's You're not a doctor. You can't read a lab report. Yeah. It's technical language that I struggle to decipher. Although I will say that I Googled everything Yeah, and then I had an epidemiologist friend look at it as well and we came to the same conclusion but that does not mean that we know for sure what what it is so we're waiting until friday until we talk to the doctor to ensure that the surgical oncologist <laughs> will be the one to yeah, give us yeah, accurate yeah. information and then we'll be sure to to let everyone know but jesse let's turn it over to you and just talk Wait, about what? yeah let's turn That's do, do the pressure. work do the work and i'm still in pain here. <laughs> talk about I mean, we're laughing now because we're through it, but this was a high stress. The we past laughed. two weeks. Don't do that. We laughed all, even when it was still, holy fuck, I might die. We were still laughing. Okay, laughing and crying, but so yeah. it's mostly laughing now. So <laughs> well, like, it doesn't exist on one element. Oh, you, if you laughed, you weren't crying. Okay, so thank you for explaining how emotions work to a therapist. <laughs> how. <laughs> how have the last two weeks been? Or you. Take us through it. Going into surgery. Oh, go so even prior yeah, to surgery. Just take us back. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I haven't done a ton of there have been moments where there have been there has been existential reflection. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
it, you know, it was, uh, it's not great because you're, you are literally facing down death. Mm-hmm. It, it could happen. Right. I wasn't necessarily worried about like dying in surgery because that would be like a surgical complication. Those are rare. Mm-hmm. But there was definitely reflection. Uh, you know, I, I haven't really fully grappled with how I feel about it, but it has it definitely sparked in me uh, a doubling down of, of dedicating myself into to my meaningful relationships, mm-hmm. to um, doubling down on making the world a better place for as many fucking people as I possibly can with the the tiny corner of the internet that we, we have dominion over. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's... Um, it's strange being the guy, the person, when you always think, oh, that's somebody else. Somebody else is going to get colon cancer. That's not going to be me. Right. And then when you get it, it's, oh, fuck, I'm somebody else. I'm, it's, so it's so common. It's so, it's so possible for you out there to have what happened to me happen to you that you need to fucking go get screened, set up an appointment, go drink the drink and have them stick the camera in your asshole. It's really like people make a joke. Oh, it's a blah, blah, blah. It's fucking so easy. Mm-hmm. They give you some medicine. You fall asleep. You wake up. You're bloated from a little gas. You fart that shit out and you move on with your day. Mm-hmm. You're not down for days. And if not for that appointment... I would likely be facing down, like literally, I mean, we wouldn't have known about it, presumably for for months, if not years, until it would have been way too fucking late. Well, I, th- I would say that's been a theme over the past two weeks since your surgery, since you came out of your surgery successfully, is that I will periodically look at you and just say, I'm so glad that you're alive. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm so glad that you didn't die. Because and you know what, I'm so glad that you're so glad. <laughs> and then you'll say, "Oh, me too." And we yeah, just no shit. We man. kind of sit here like ruminating about the possibility that you could have died, and that we're just so happy that you're not dead. Because even when you went into surgery, so I I took you to the hospital, and I waited until it was a little it was a little wonky, but I, I had to leave to come back and take Sweepy out because she can't be alone for more than five hours because she'll piss and shit in the house and uh so and, ha- and in the direct dropping me off they you couldn't have gone back they had to call you back way after i was already there yeah so i left you maybe two hours before you ended up going i prefer in. the word abandoned but go ahead yeah i felt bad about it but again <laughs> sweepy so uh but apparently the the surgeon came up to you before your surgery and said if we get in there, the first thing that we're going to do is put the camera in there. And if I see spread, if I see spots that have moved beyond what we're getting, we're stopping immediately. We're pulling out and you need to start chemotherapy. Yeah, we're not going to do the operation. We're not going to sur- continue with the surgery. We're going to sew you back up and you're immediately going to chemo. Right. So there was still a possibility that even though we had been reassured this the CT scan doesn't show spread, everything looks good. Even before the surgery, she's still reiterating like, this could have changed. It, yeah. could, it could have spread. And so I remember when I came to see you after your surgery and you were still loaded and we'll talk about, you know, your ranting when you were loaded <laughs> in a minute, but you said one of the first things that you did was look down and inspect. That's right. I was, because, I was with it enough to do that. Yeah. And that was, I'm assuming because you, you wanted to know, did they do it? Did they do it or was there spread? Yeah. 
because I was wasn't feeling pain because I'm so just coming out of the anesthesia. Yeah. So I looked down. One, I I showed off my catheter to you and whoever else was in the room. <laughs> the little tube going into my hog. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, and and what? But I wanted to know. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm sewed up. I'm got stitches and bandages everywhere. Yeah. They did the surgery so it hadn't metastasized in a problematic way. Right. I, mean, I think any metastasism is, is problematic, but in a way that would have them reverse course, oh, fuck, we got to get him to, to chemo because she said, I can't, I have to, I would have to recover fully before going through chemo from right. surgery. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's still where we are too, is you need to, six weeks will need to pass post-surgery before, if you if you do need to do chemo, six weeks will need to pass before you can start that because yeah. technically six weeks is fully healed. And so what happened was I came to see you after you got out of surgery and it was a Catholic hospital that you were in. Can, can we can we first go back to checking in and they put like the American flag bracelet on me? Okay, yeah. Well, this is why I wanted you to, to take well, no, the lead just, on what happened. So they put all the bracelets on you with your name and all your information and everything, like a normal hospital visit. And then they, they slapped this American flag on me. Mm-hmm. And then every hospital employee that I interacted with was thank you for your service which is a fucking nightmare for me (laughs) it it is spectacle I mean we've talked about it on the show uh, I don't know how many times Uh I don't like the spectacle of that I don't need to be thanked for my service I made a choice to join I got paid for being there I don't need your undying fucking gratitude at every turn thanks for the thanks but no fucking thanks. You know what I mean? <laughs> so when I was in the the prep room, yeah. one of the anesthesiologists came in mm-hmm. and um, started doing that routine. And I go, are you saying that because I have this? He goes, no, I, I really want to thank you. I go, no, but do you know that I'm a veteran to say thank you for your service because of this American flag? And he's like, yeah. I go, I'm... It's a wasted a lot of my time and day. So you ripped it off. I ripped it right off. And then no <laughs> one ever again, you know, gushed over my inconsequential service in the United States Marine Corps. Yeah. Well, that's nice. So anyway, <laughs> apparently the Catholic hospital has a, um, like a veteran or a, pro- a former general or something who's like the CEO. So like that's a feature of his personality. Yeah, well, and when you were checking in, getting the wristbands, I couldn't stand there with you. They made me go and wait in the waiting room. Like, I couldn't actually go up to... It was just like a reception counter, but I couldn't walk up to that reception right. counter with you. Until they wanted their money. Until they needed to make a, me to make a payment, and they told you not to bring your wallet, only specific items you could bring for your surgery, obviously. And so they had to come get me to swipe my credit card. Right. And I was like, oh, I can stand here. I'm allowed to come back here when I need to make a payment that's right. nice yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah all of it and again we'll, we'll continue to talk about this this is a theme it's not like it's a new position for us on Amer- on 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 universal health care at all but it really is a, it, it's distasteful it is gross mm-hmm. that at every turn it's oh your co-payment here is six hundred dollars oh you need another eight hundred dollar payment here oh it's another i mean we're thousands of dollars in and we still haven't even gotten the bill yeah, I and mean, that is untenable for millions, and I don't want to go on the soapbox now, but millions and millions and millions and millions of Americans can't afford that. So what they do is they put off treatment and they die of fucking cancer. And that's 
disgusting. Yeah, um, absolutely. And you actually made that comment when they swiped my credit card. You looked at me and said, what What would we do yeah. if we couldn't afford this? You know, And it's a legitimate question. I mean, people, they go into debt. That's why they have medical debt. They just decide to put people in a precarious situation in life because they have to spend money to save their life and continue living. It's just, it's terrible. But going to the Catholic hospital thing, when you got out of surgery, (laughs) you were still loaded. And because it's a Catholic hospital, apparently they do a prayer over the intercom for everyone to hear. I don't know how often, maybe once an hour. I don't. Uh, I think that's a little aggressive. It's, it's multiple times a day, certainly. And it's, uh, it's loud. Like they didn't pipe it into my room when I was in recovery for those few days. Yeah, it's usually the hallway. It's just like, well, all the common areas. Yeah, so they're if blasting the fucking prayer. If your door is open, you can hear it. And at that time, you hadn't. They hadn't assigned you a room yet, so you were still just kind of in the recovery area of the surgical operation, whatever. Yeah. And. The prayer was very loud then because you were very close to a common area and your your walls were just sheets that were yeah. on <laughs> on hooks. Yeah. And you you looked at me and you're like, What what is is that a are they praying? And you yeah. just started going off about a prayer over the intercom. And I'm like, shh, the nurse is right there. Shh. Yeah, there was a nurse in the room on a computer. Yeah. <laughs> Which by the way, I don't I, I think it's I think it's a little gross. Yeah. It's not like they only serve Catholics in that hospital. Mm-hmm. If you're a Muslim, if you're, if you're a Jew, if you're, if you're an atheist or, or, or a nun, N-O-N-E, mm-hmm. you're being subjected to their particular faith tradition, and it's fucking gross. Yeah. While they're swiping my credit card. Oh, yeah, we got to get that money. Praise Jesus for the healing. Yeah. Not so- great. So I would like to say, by the way, one of the nurses came back. Carla is her name. She came back. She read my name on the registry of patients that day and was like, oh, my God, you're in my hospital. I've been watching and I knew you were going to I didn't know what hospital you're being. But I just wanted to say we're thinking about you. And it was uh, it was great. That's nice. Yeah, it was great. Shout out to Carla. Hopefully she did not do your catheter. Well, I'm not so worried about the catheter going in because I was asleep. It's when the nurse yanked it out that it felt like he was scratching all the way out that's what i mean yeah yeah and the not, blood not, then it wasn't there blood uh there was a little when well, that wasn't blood it was like a. oh that was when they took your your other oh when they took, yeah. yeah that's when the blood went yeah when i was checking out which i made as rapid as possible to get the fuck out of there yikes yeah and they were taking out my all the IVs in my hands and shit, you know, the, the pick lines or whatever. Yeah, it was all over your clothes, the blood. Uh, he, he took it out and we, he held down the, the, the little gauze on my on my on on the entry point. And then when he let go of it, I'm like, okay, gathering my shit. And he's like, oh, go, stop. And I was spraying blood all over the bed, all over <laughs> my sweatpants. There's just blood all over my documents that I needed to leave the hospital with. You're just with. ready to go. Oh, yeah. It was just, well, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> It's not like I took out the thing. Well, I was on blood thinners because yeah. I'd been laying in bed. They were giving me heparin, mm-hmm. and apparently it makes your blood seriously just water, just <laughs> spraying everywhere. Like a horror film. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, got out of the hospital. Well, th- what they were waiting for was as soon as you start farting, yeah. that means your lower half 
has turned back on because mm-hmm. it shuts down. I mean, they're they're cutting out, then they're sewing the thing together, airtight, watertight, and uh, they wanted me to start juicing up again with the farts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Luckily, I am uh, well versed in that particular exercise, and it happened relatively quickly. <laughs> Ended up getting out there in a few days and uh, coming home. A lot mm-hmm. of pain. Not so much today. Not so much yesterday. Yeah, you're Over, getting better. Overdid it a little bit on Halloween. We uh, went out and ran some errands. and um, That was your first time out of the house since the surgery. That's right. Mm-hmm. Made a brief appearance at Team Ian's Halloween party. Yeah, very brief. And when we left, um, I was like, yeah, I think we overdid it. And then I felt my stomach underneath my sweater, mm-hmm. and it was wet. I was bleeding <laughs> through my undershirt. So. Yeah. So not great, but you know, learning learning lesson didn't tear anything. It was fine. Yeah, you're you know. learning the limits of what you can and cannot do, yeah. and not not moving past that, except for Team Ian's Halloween get together. Thanks, brother. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. I'm glad you're able to move around because it, I was giving you one medication every six hours, another medication every four hours, and four to six small meals per day of low fiber dietary restriction yeah and it's not great yeah so and i was taking over on youtube during that time so which by the way thank you and i think you did a fucking awesome you did such an awesome job that many listener many audience members on youtube were requesting why doesn't britney have her own channel Mm -hmm. and now she does now we started a channel for britney yep It'll be in the show notes. Write that down. Put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Go subscribe to Brittany's YouTube channel. It'll be a lot different than mine because I'm, you know, me yelling and <laughs> inappropriate and everything else. Brittany Page is not. She is metered and scholarly and thoughtful and I mean, learned. And- if you say it a shorter way, it uh, doesn't have a personality to some of the people in the comments, which is fine. How, how was that for you? I, I mean, how long did it take you to get called a cunt? Four videos. <laughs> four videos. <laughs> um, Which really, it didn't break any records. That's actually yeah. four videos. No, is, I feel lucky. Yeah, that's, I feel very lucky, honored, and definitely <laughs> luck is really what it comes but down to. But how was it? How was it being uh, at the helm? It was stressful, for sure, because I was just... I, it's new for me. It's uncomfortable. You have to remember to move for your sure. hands while you're talking and you have to remember that it's a visual medium. So you need to be like speaking in a di- dynamic way. Yeah. Uh, having a camera on you just changes the way that you behave. And Oh yeah. You're being watched. Yeah. Yeah. And sure. so that was definitely difficult, but I think I got more comfortable over time and I am, am finding my way as it were. The mean comments I really think are funny. You know, people saying I don't have a personality or Jesse, please don't die. Your wife sucks at this. Like that, That's verbatim. That's a real comment. Yeah. A, a person who was an actual audience member. Oh, people take no prisoners. And Please don't die. Your wife sucks at this. Yes. God damn. At least we agree on something. Maybe one, he's one the guy. Maybe he's the guy who hosted the Catholic prayer multiple times a day at the hospital. <laughs> could be. Could be. So it was interesting, but... By and large, people were very supportive and nice. And in between creating the content, I was running meals up to you, running your medicine up to you, taking Sweepy out. And I just want to give a shout out to our neighbors who aren't going to hear this. Our neighbors were very kind, brought us dinner. 
uh, treats. Uh, shout out to Kathy and Jerry who gave us a gift card uh, for two different places. And it, it has been just amazing to have the support of, of friends. And I don't want to forget anybody that <laughs> has helped us. Those are those are the two ones I can think of right now. It was it was a whirlwind. It was absolutely. I still have. It's going to take me a long time to go through all of the text messages of people like who actually have my phone number mm-hmm. and have texted me. It's going to take me a long time. Yeah. So it's been it's been a lot of stress, but I feel like we're getting to a place now where things feel stable more more stable more, I think. more stable and and that's good we don't we don't know what's going to happen with chemotherapy that's kind of the big question right now of of what that's going to look like and how that's going to go but we're keeping an open mind we're working through things as they come and i think the biggest thing has just been the support from everybody it's been yeah. It's been amazing, and without it, we would be lost. So, you know, thank you to everyone for the positive comments, uh, sending support in whatever form it came. It means so much to both of us, so thank you. Yeah, for sure. Let's get to some listener communication. Before we do, let's drop the phone number. If you have something to say, something to add, something to contribute, whether it be a question or a comment, we'd love to hear from you. 657 464 7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Hey, this is Eric from Oklahoma. Just wanted to, first of all, congratulate Brittany on such an awesome job with the YouTube channel and starting her new channel. I honestly cannot wait to see where this goes with the both of you. And um, second of all, wanted to say thanks, Jesse, for your openness with your situation. I think I'm one of many people that was motivated to go and get my colonoscopy based on your um, your situation. I'm at, actually at that age where they recommend to have it done every 10 years anyway, but I had been putting it off. So got in and got that shit done. Uh, it's, it's really painless. It's I, I would recommend it. It's not the most, most fun preparation in the world, obviously, but... Um, the procedure itself goes super smoothly, and then basically you just take the day off work and sleep it off. And uh, on top of all of that, I guess uh, for some reason they give you pictures of the inside of your butthole, which I haven't <laughs> quite figured out what I'm going to do with those yet. Send me but those pictures, Eric. Ideas, let me know. <laughs> Hope everything's um, really smooth for you, Jesse, on the way through this. It seems like you've got the best care in the world, and I wish nothing for the best of both of you. Nothing but the best. Thanks. Well, thanks, Eric. Listen, this is this is the most meaningful part of this is if I'm able to convince some people to go get screened. And by the way, if I haven't mentioned it before, go get a fucking colonoscopy, whether you're man or woman, go go get a colonoscopy. Uh, like Eric said, it's not a big deal. We have such a weird thing about our buttholes. Nobody's putting anything up there. Just fucking get over yourself and go get checked. Because you could very well save your own goddamn life and not leave your kids um, parentless and not leave your family without you. Don't be a dumb fuck. Do like Eric did and go get tested. It's easy. It's so, I know you're like, uh, it's so easy. No, I think I think it's important. And I'm smiling because I also avoid going to the doctor. And I don't know why that is because I love the dentist and I've always loved the dentist. Well, and- you also are the reason I went. 
Yeah, that's also weird. <laughs> but I don't. So pers- it's like, oh, it's miserable for me, but you need to go. Yeah, well, nothing is wrong with me usually. Something was wrong with you, and you had to go. And so I, I normally have good health. So there's I don't nothing worry wrong about with it. you. Is that what you're saying? Is that your position? Nothing wrong with you? Medically. Uh. <laughs> not mentally. <laughs> and so I I went to go get my pap smear. And it's funny when you talk about people being weird about their buttholes because, you know, when you go get a pap smear, your legs are completely spread open and the doctor is, I mean... I think that's cranking, worse because you're awake. Craking open your vagina with... Like one of those things that lifts a car, a car jack, except yeah. for, for a vagina. And I mean, and then they, they comb your cervix with a comb. Like it's, I mean, it's not good. It is not great. So I went and got that done. <laughs> no one wants to do it, but you have to go get it done. You know, you actually, there's a recording from the, the appointment. I'm not prepared. <laughs> So what's interesting is Eric said they recommend you get colonoscopies every 10 years for PAPs. It's every five years. And I just feel like that's too much time in between these tests. I don't Me know too. what the metric is there, but in in the span of 10 years, can't something go horribly wrong and you can end up with with what you had? I mean, the only symptoms that you had was exhaustion and feeling dizzy. Yeah, I wouldn't even call it exhaustion. It was just mild tiredness and then... The thing where I, if I, I felt like I was standing up too quickly and got dizzy. Yeah. So luckily you had yeah. anemia and that was able, they were able to connect that with this. Yeah. But otherwise you never had blood in your stool, nothing like that. So when they say like every 10 years, I just, ugh, it makes me a little nervous. I think they're going to be adjusting because even my surgeon said that she's doing like three to five of these a week. Yeah. Here's another recording from Brittany's last appointment. You're a fucking doctor, bro. <laughs> We have all kinds of them from Brittany Page. It's nice. Great. So, uh, Eric, thank you very much. Thank you for going to get checked. Uh, you are a valued member of our audience, and uh, we really couldn't afford to lose even one member. We have so few that listen to the show. So, yeah. Uh, for the for the sake of the show, Eric, thank you. So we have an email here. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, just wanted to wish you both all the best. You are in my thoughts today. I am no longer a praying person, so I offer just my best wishes. I have faith on your doctors and the science that has led to this procedure and your recovery. I hope your recovery is smooth and we have you back 100% soon. I recently was in the hospital and was facing a surgery that ended up not happening. At the time, it was unsettling, and I did not know how to feel about it. I got set up with the employee assistance program through work to have a secular counselor help me through my thoughts and fears. I am lucky to have a job with these amazing benefits. The conversation led to some really helpful conversations and reflection on fear. Before my deconversion, I was taught and believed that fear was bad and a lack of faith or demonic influence. Now, as someone who has thrown off those beliefs, I did not know how to process or approach my fear. I learned that the biggest antidote to fear was knowledge, learning stats, the process and procedure, recovery time, and expectations. Yes, knowledge alleviated a lot of the fear, but not all of it. I just had to lean into it. Fear is not a lack of faith or demonic influence as I grew up believing, but a natural human reaction. Leaning into and accepting my humanity and the question of my own mortality, not denying my humanity, helped me come to terms with my fear and gave it less power over my mind. Anyway, I really appreciate the contribution you both make to my life and our society. It is a valuable service, and I can't wait to hear updates. All the best, Mike from Illinois. Mike from Illinois. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I agree about the fear thing. I don't think, 
I don't even think fear is a problem unless it's all consuming. If it's, if it's becoming an impediment to, to living a, a healthy, productive life, then yeah, that, that is a problem. But fear is a natural evolutionary force in our life that keeps us from harm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. if you're not fear, fearful of the, the mountain lion that's going to kill you and eat you, and you just stand there like a goober staring it in the eyes, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Fear is there is there is very real efficacy for the emotion or the whatever you would call it. Yeah, a fear. Well, and I like the idea that we all learn to cope with that fear in our own ways. It sounds yeah. like I'm similar to Mike and how I look for solutions and stats and try to learn as much as I can about something in order to prepare, or I just clean the house frantically. You know, whatever whatever is gonna <laughs> help alleviate that fear (laughs) yeah i I didn't i didn't really have fear i don't know why i don't know why maybe it's just because i i'm not going to allow um something that i have zero control over i don't know i don't know i'm I'm not special certainly i think i'm just lucky in the way that it it doesn't uh negatively impact me i don't know Mm -hmm. why are you smirking i just it's must be nice (laughs) must be nice So anyway, thank you very much. Uh, I don't know if you want to go to the other uh, email or this last voicemail. Let's do another email. All right. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. Just wanted to thank you for your openness and willingness to share your experience and feelings about Jesse's diagnosis. My favorite part about the way you share your experiences is your sense of humor, even through tough times. I also use humor to cope with difficult times, and it's nice to know I'm not the only one. Thank you for sharing with us something incredibly serious in a positive and lighthearted way. I love when Jesse shares detailed information about his colon. Hilarious. And when Brittany talks about taking notes and Googling everything, which is something I tend to do too. I lost one of my ovaries back in November 2021 due to a precancerous ovarian tumor. It was the size of a grapefruit. Finding out about the possibility of having cancer is completely terrifying. It was very therapeutic to talk about my experience with others and to find the humor in it, even though it sometimes makes people uncomfortable. Thank you, Jesse, for pushing your audience to go get tested. And thank you, Brittany, for convincing Jesse to go see a doctor. When I first started having symptoms, I refused to go to the doctor. It was my mom who kept bugging me and pushing me to go get my symptoms checked. I'm so grateful I had someone in my life who cared about me enough to convince me to see a doctor. I know Brittany did that for you, too, and I'm grateful that you are now doing that for your audience. I appreciate you both so much, and I will be rooting for you to kick cancer's ass. Much love, Elizabeth. P.S. I don't know if it counts via email, but Brittany is the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. It does indeed count. I can just start adding that to all the emails. <laughs> you are the one with the access over there. So, uh, yeah, you know, thank you, Elizabeth. Um, I'm. We can learn from everything. And I think that is something that I have learned is to not be so hesitant to go seek medical to go to the doctor and my thing is not when i don't want to go to the doctor it is nothing to do with what you would consider like traditionally obstinate or masculine or any of those things i'm not worried about somebody looking at my dick and balls or my butthole or i I don't care about any of that (laughs) for me it's that i'm a little bit of a lazy jerk off Mm -hmm. and procrastinate a Mm -hmm. lot Mm -hmm. and also it's is it like the time it's suck? It's a, a huge time suck for me. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Also, it's, you're not very patient. I'm burning patient. a whole fucking day. Yeah, you're not very patient and no. you don't like to wait. I don't like waiting in line. I don't like, 
Yeah, I'm I'm an impatient asshole. So that's really what it boils down to. So it wasn't like nobody's putting their fingers in my butt. None of that. I mean, you know, it's just not my thing. I don't fucking care. Yeah. Like even the doctor, when I was sitting in the chair, they finally got me to sit. Mm-hmm. I was like, I would walk up and down the hall a couple times a day or whatever. And I'm just in the, the goofy hospital robe. And this is when uh, the, the surgeon came finally when I saw her. Not the next day, but the next day. Mm-hmm. And she was wanted to look at the stitches and the, the puncture wounds because it was laparoscopic except for the giant inches long scar right through my belly button. And she's like putting a pillow over my genitals. And like, I'm just, I don't fucking, I mean, for her sake. Yeah. Okay. I'll, you know, you're down there. Let's not, but I don't, I just don't have those um, modesty issues, I guess. That's nice. Is it nice? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, thank you very much for all the support. We love you guys. We still want to hear from you again. You can call in, write in. Um, I I want this to be a continuing conversation um, to raise awareness about going and getting a fucking colonoscopy because they're lowering the age over time. Used to be 50, now it's 45. Who fucking knows where that's going? And the reason they're doing that is because the instances of colon cancer are increasing alarmingly, and they don't know why. So go get checked. One last voicemail, and then we're moving on. Hey, Brittany, Jesse. This is your boy, Rock, calling from Germany. Uh, So I got home, ate food, and was uh, looking at YouTube. And one of the things that popped up in my feed was the attack on Paul Pelosi. And the first news host I happened to look at it from happened to be a Fox News source. And after looking at the video, I just happened to look down at the comments, and it was just crazy in support of the guy that was that was the attacker, and just so much crap talking about or shit talking about Paul Pelosi. I'm like, dude, he's not even a politician. Why the hell would you, even if you do hate Pelosi for a reason? What the hell? This guy did nothing. And the fact the attacking with a hammer, that's just, that's beyond insane. Uh, sorry, that's a bit ableist talk, but it just is. Anyways, and then I was like, wait, okay, this is crazy. Like, there's no other news source that's reporting this. Because as I scrolled back up, I then found out the comments got locked. And they, they basically disabled commenting. So I was like, okay, Fox News is trying to clear up their own shit after the, they've already stirred the pot. But they, I guess they're going to be held liable. So they had to stop it. Um, so I went over to MSNBC's, and of course, theirs is still unlocked even two hours later, or two or three hours later. I'm like, what the shit? So I went back and took screenshots just to compare the same exact story, but then Fox News, with all their crazy comments, they had to lock up their, their page from disabling from comments because they knew that they were going to basically they were shit in the bed and their own supporters were doing it. Meanwhile, like I said, MSNBC's was still commenting. I even made a comment there saying the same thing I'm telling you now, that all these people were basically deplorable over there. Not all of them, of course, but then the vast majority of those comments were just insane. Like I said, it was just, I wish I'd have took some screenshots before they locked out the page. Uh, if you check the email that this came with, you might want to either put it on the YouTube show or whatever, or just, if you can, if you manage to grab a screenshot, it's just, wow, it's just, it was just insane. Anyways, just showing the, the stark contrast between the vast majority of people on the right versus the vast majority of people on the left. Because say if Donald Trump's children were attacked, I would not condone that. They're not politicians, this, that, and this. I mean, you wouldn't mind if Eric, someone just slapped on Eric, but I don't condone violence. It's just, 
hey, stop doing drugs. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you guys take care, all right? And uh, Jesse, wishing you a speedy recovery and all that. So that is funny about slapping Eric. I, I do want to say that this is a very scary situation on the right right now because for some reason for the right it is like comedy fodder that an octogenarian got smashed in the head with a hammer and that there was an attempted assassination a on the speaker. skull fracture injured arm and hands i mean god damn yeah because you have governor a candidate for governor in arizona carrie lake who is terrifying a trump wannabe she calls herself trump in a dress yeah. and she absolutely is she attacks the media in the same way she she uses all of his tricks and she was making jokes about what happened to paul pelosi yeah. and tucker carlson is making jokes about what happened charlie kirk all of these right-wing figures are making jokes about it so i'm not surprised that fox news would have to turn off the comments i mean i guess what that was was like a preview of how things are going to be on Twitter with Elon yeah. Musk in charge of content moderation because Fox News channels YouTube uh, shut down the comments when they got too terrible. And Elon Musk, I, I don't think, plans to do any of that. So Listen, we're, we're only a few instances of these away from them not making jokes and just saying, yeah, we want our political opponents dead. We want them attacked. We yeah. want violence. Yeah. We're almost there. Well, and we actually got another death threat this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Both of us this time. Well, I was really excited. It's the equality I've been fighting for to yeah, be included yeah. in the death threat. Feminism is alive and well, everybody. <laughs> Two weeks of being on YouTube and I already get a death threat. So we're laughing about it now, but we actually filed a police report because it is scary. It happened two days after the attack on Paul Pelosi. That's right. That someone messaged us and was asking about Kyle Rittenhouse and said, if you can't answer my question, I'll kill you both. He says, well, it was late Saturday night, 2.30 in the morning on Sunday morning. He said, name a black person that was killed by Kyle Rittenhouse, something we've never alleged took place. And if you can't, I'm going to kill you. And then he asked the question six more times. Uh, and said, uh, or I'll kill you both. Yeah. So scary. Yeah, for sure. Especially with the unhinged people that are out there. And we filed a police report. They this- are ostensibly, allegedly, uh, f- uh, assigning... Allegedly. Uh, assigning a, a detective to the case. We have not heard from uh, this unnamed individual, mm-hmm. the, the de- detective, but we'll see. Well, and like I said, we've received these threats before, unfortunately, and in the past, some of them have been rather scary. So in the past, we have also attempted to file a police report, and in Orange County, we had a cop laugh and ask if we were actually afraid of this. And that- and then ultimately said, if we can't prove that the, the death threat person knows where we live, we can't prove that they actually know exactly where we live, there's nothing they can do. So I'm... I'm just wondering how many of these instances have to happen before they start taking it seriously when someone from their personal account says, I will kill you or I will find you and kill you. Yeah. You can't just say that to someone. This this shouldn't be part of our society that we accept, that there are people online that get so angry and fired up and unhinged that they message someone that they're going to kill them. This cannot be something that we accept in our society. Right. Not okay. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. And we're actually going to be talking a lot about the Paul Pelosi situation today, including the various reactions of people on the right. But before that, we want to get to those of you who support the show and make sure we thank you for that support. 
I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Daniel S. Daniel S. Stephen E. Stephen E. Denise A.D. Denise A.D. April G. April G. Teresa G. Teresa G. Chris L. Chris L. Robin S. Robin S. Derek H. Derek H. Julio T. Julio T. Cynthia L. Cynthia L. Angela G. G. Angela G. G. Wallajan A.K. Wallajan A.K. And if I pronounce that wrong, as always, feel free to send in a voice memo correcting my ass because I need that from time to time. Yes. And we would like to give a special shout out to Kathy H. Kathy H. Kathy H. edited the pledge and became an annual Patreon member, which you can do and you get a certain percentage off. So it's like a special little deal to support the show. It's very, it's very nice. It's a good deal. We are working on finalizing our end of the year gift for Patreon supporters. So if you become a Patreon anytime between now and the end of the year, or you have, you're already an existing Patreon, you will get the end of year gift and it's gonna be really good we think it's very fun (laughs) we're really excited last year it was a a fridge magnet that had a funny terrible review that we got attacking us because we love to lean into that and this year it's going to be something different we're not going to reveal it but as we get closer maybe we'll start dropping some hints to increase that excitement but we won't get there yet so uh, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. We could not do this without you. And we are so grateful to everyone for supporting us. Thank you so much. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So the news broke on Friday that someone had broken into the home of Nancy and Paul Pelosi in San Francisco. And the, the primary thing that we knew, we didn't know a lot, but what started popping up on various chirons, including on Fox news was that the attacker shouted, where is Nancy? He was looking for Nancy Pelosi. And while CNN is reporting the, social media posting history of the individual that attacked Paul Pelosi, including his belief in conspiracy theories, racist conspiracy theories, anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, uh, conspiracy theories about COVID-19 and vaccines. I mean, take your pick from the right wing list of conspiracy theories. He believed them. He posted about them. And while CNN is reporting on this. Fox News' John Roberts and Brett Baer are encouraging people not to rush to jumping to conclusions. Yeah, you know, as we mentioned uh, earlier in the hour, uh, 2021 Capitol Police uh, fielded 9,600 threats against members of Congress between January 1st and January 23rd of this year, nearly 2,000 threats that they looked into. Uh, but but when you when you look at this in the overall, People may be quick to make leaps 
to certain events in the past, uh, certain political ideologies, what may have driven mm. this person. We, we, we can't make those leaps, and we oh. shouldn't make those leaps, because we just don't know at this point that this person could have been motivated by just about anything. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, the only indication we have is the where's Nancy, or that he was <laughs> waiting for... Nancy, but we don't know his, his point of view. Oh. Um, we do know that we just, this he needed is, to know where she was. You know, a real thing in today's day and age that public figures, no matter who they are, uh, come under increasing threat. And because of our environment and the way it's, uh, we talk about things online and elsewhere, uh, there has been an increasing threat to public figures. Uh, and it's interesting about this. I, I agree with your previous guest as well about the security prospect of the Speaker's house when uh, her husband is home. Um, I, I would have thought that it would be more secure as well. Mm -hmm. But we don't have all the details yet. Obviously, in a moment where uh, crime is a major issue all oh, across crime. America. Oh, crime. You right? know the crime problem in San Francisco. It's so crazy. That's what's going on here. We can't leap. We can't make leaps to find out what's going on. Ooh, it's a big-time crazy world out there. All kinds of Congress people getting threatened. <laughs> they, they both sides this fucking thing. Yeah. As though there's an equal amount of Democrats who are threatening Republicans as Republicans who are threatening Democrats. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, even when he says people may be quick to link this whole where's Nancy thing to certain events in the past. Oh, oh, which which events, Brett? Is, yeah. it, is it the one where uh, armed insurrectionists were storming the Capitol, screaming where is Nancy, looking for her to kill her as well? I, I, wanna, I also want to drive home that when you said, when Brittany says at the same time, that CNN is broadcasting, reading from the blog and what his motivations were. She doesn't just mean like that day or an hour later. She means within like 90 seconds of CNN talking about the actual motivation here. They're saying, well, can't make leaps. Oh, you never know. It could be anything. And why was her house so unsecure? Yeah. <laughs> God damn. Well, and also the passive phrasing that Brett Bear used there when he said public figures come under increasing threat. Yeah. Where is the threat coming from, Brett? It's coming from Donald Trump. And it's your fucking colleague, Tucker Carlson. Right. It's coming from the most popular right-wing commentators. It's coming from the MAGA Republicans in, in positions of power, unfortunately, in this country. They are the ones who ratchet up this climate. It's not, oh, both sides, both people are doing it. No, it's the Marjorie Taylor Greens. Yeah. It's the Donald Trumps. I mean, this is... It's using language like invasion when talking about refugees from countries. Right. It's an invasion. Right. But, you know, really, the, the, the real culprit here, Brittany Page, isn't, isn't the, the white supremacists are on the rise in our country. It really is that Joe Biden has failed. He hasn't unified us like he promised us. You know, so the big question here is whether this is reflective of political violence that's happening in the country or whether it's reflective of serious mental health issues in the country and violence in general across the country or some combination i'm i'm on the edge of my seat that she's going to blame fentanyl halloween candy here in a second nation <laughs> of both kennedy I, I think you hit on it and i think it is a combination of both because i think where we're at you know the president promised to bring down the tenor of political discourse in this country that hasn't happened people are more divided uh there are people who see 
words as violence. And there are people who it's very easy for them to cross the line and commit acts of violence like this because they are moved by their politics. When you combine that kind of rage, that sort of systemic cultural rage that we have right now that that hasn't calmed down with untreated mental illness, that's when you have things like this happen. And for anyone, whether it's a Supreme Court justice, the Speaker of the House or anyone who holds visible elective office, it's a really scary time. And especially in California, where so much money goes to social services, they're not doing it right. They really have failed the mentally ill, especially those who are violently mentally ill in that state. And and they have not created appropriate systems to identify and treat people like this. And it's really sad that after the fact, we're hearing about all of these symptoms when, you know, with all that money and all of those resources, someone like this should have been identified and treated before something this tragic happens. You hear that, everybody? Libertarian Kennedy bemoaning the fact that there aren't more programs funded by the government to help the quote-unquote violently mentally ill. (laughs) Yeah, well, also listen to Kennedy say someone like this. They claim they don't know enough about his motivations to speak on whether or not this is tied directly to right-wing extremism, but apparently they know enough to be jumping to conclusions about the mental state of the individual. it's, It's a shiny object that they dangle in front of their low-information audience, knowing that they'll chase that down rather than actually look at the facts and the merit of what happened. Well, and this was a multi-pronged effort to try to distract away from the right-wing influence of this violence and this attack because you even had a segment. I mean, you keep hearing it pop up throughout both of these, but they went really hard with crime on Fox 2. With this man uh, who say that that he was... Really disturbing, a megalomaniac, and so out of touch with reality. So we have a, this is, this is probably the bigger problem that we have on our hands right now, Congressman. Oh, 100%. I was a federal prosecutor, and like when you let dangerous criminals out, out on the streets, you know, with bail and not put them in prison, you're just asking for this, this sort of incident to happen. And I think it created the environment where this happens. In each of these cases, I always see a pattern of conduct. There are always warning signs and flags that are raised along the way, but never acted upon. And we see, we see it probably with this guy that took the hammer to the speaker's uh, husband. Probably. A lot of the school shootings that I see. You know, when I was a, when I was a counterterrorism federal prosecutor, we call it connecting the dots, right? It was information sharing, intelligence, so we could stop the threat before it happens based on good intelligence, we seem to have a hard time doing that uh, domestically in the United States. That's a Congressman McCall, M-C-C-A-U-L from Texas. Yeah. Ugh. So again, we have another Republican talking about letting dangerous criminals out in the streets with bail and not putting them in prison. And you're just asking for this because you're creating an environment where you're easy on crime. It's an an amazing thing to me that someone who's a prosecutor, an officer of the court, a congressman, someone who ostensibly understands the Constitution, certainly rose his raised his right hand and swore to protect and defend that Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that he would sit there and uh, not understand that someone who is accused of a crime is not guilty. And you can't throw someone who is accused into prison. That is why bail is fundamentally incorrect. If they do pose a threat, you hold them until trial, but you don't charge them. Oh, if they're, if they're dangerous, oh, but if they have enough money, they can get out. 
don't make comments about the bail system when you're woefully uneducated about the the Constitution itself, Congressman. Right. Well, and you hear Martha McCallum reading a quote from someone that knew the suspect in the attack about them being unstable or whatever the quote was. And again, they're choosing to run with that angle rather than what you heard reported on other news sources, which is the extreme beliefs, conspiratorial thinking that animated and likely motivated this attack because he's in Nancy Pelosi's house. And according to uh, the charging documents, he told them everything, everything, yeah. his entire plan. He also like referenced that he compared himself to the founding fathers who would sacrifice everything. I mean, he's, he's a right wing nutter, but his plan was to tie Nancy Pelosi up to break her kneecaps, to send her back to Congress in a wheelchair so that she would have to go and show everyone that there are consequences to his action, to her actions. Her, that's his words. That was his plan. Yeah. So, You don't need to go and get a comment from his uncle on his mental state. You can read his blog, his social media posts, and see, Fox, that your information that you put out, I'm not going to call it reporting, that the the shows that you have that are in the number one slot on cable news, that those talking points that you give to people are dangerous because when you tell people that the Democrats are coming for them, that they are creating a world that is going to remove their power, you are going to animate them and cause them to lash out in violence. That is where this goes. Absolutely. We'd love to know what you think about this. You can call, leave us a voicemail, 657-464-7609. You can also email us a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. So Elon Musk is officially the owner of Twitter. Taking it private. And we are terrified. He has already begun taking some actions that are going to make Twitter worse. Elon Musk has promised to roll back content moderation policies and restore some suspended users, including former President Donald Trump, who today praised the takeover on social media. It's all part of Musk's plan to prioritize free speech on the platform. But critics fear the site could be overrun with hate speech, bots and disinformation. Yesterday, Musk tweeted a message on that to Twitter advertisers saying, quote, the reason I acquired Twitter is because it's important to the future of civilization to have a common digital town square where a wide range of beliefs can be debated in a healthy manner. That said, Twitter obviously cannot become a free for all hellscape where anything can be said with no consequences. I hope he loses his shirt on this deal. Yeah, so let's just talk about what happened in the 12 hours immediately after this deal was finalized. According to an analysis from the Network Contagion Research Institute, a research group that analyzes social media content and is used to predict emerging threats, they said that the use of the N-word on Twitter increased by nearly 500% in the 12 hours immediately after this deal was finalized. Because this signaled to racists and... I'm going to be very gracious here, quote unquote, free speech absolutists, that it was open season. You can say what you want, do what you want, be who you are Mm -hmm. on Twitter. You will not get any consequence whatsoever. Right. Because he now controls Twitter. And there may be people listening to this like, I'm not on Twitter. Who gives a shit? Unfortunately, a lot of public figures are on Twitter. It is a, they like to call it a digital town square. It really is, though. 
And it is a place where people get their information. Yeah. And when you think about a cartoonish villain billionaire being in charge of what types of information people are able to ingest, it starts to paint a pretty dark picture about where we're headed. And to call him a cartoonish villainous billionaire, I don't think is too far out of the realm because he himself is sharing vile, verifiably false conspiracy theories about this very story we're talking about with Paul Pelosi. Yeah. He, he replied to a tweet of Hillary Clinton with some tweet that said something like, well, there, there very well could be more to this story. Mm-hmm. And he tweeted an outlet that is such a conspiracy outlet that it reported that Hillary Clinton died in 2016. So let's get our brain around this. Elon Musk, the richest human being on the planet, replied to a tweet from to Hillary Clinton with an outlet that thinks she's dead about this case as though the questions that this conspiracy outlet raises are valid. And the conspiracy specifically that Elon Musk was lending credence to is that Paul Pelosi and his attacker were in a romantic relationship and that this was a scorned lover who broke in at night to attack. And also there are actually mainstream news sources that are leaning into this. Fox. Including NBC News, actually, unfortunately, that has a video up. I haven't checked this morning, but it was still up yesterday that in the headline said a third person was in the house. And that is that is not true. The police say that's not true. The FBI says that's not true. Right. So they have come out and said there were only two people in the house. And yet I have seen people on the left even repeat that line, which isn't going so far as to say this was some sort of romantic relationship. But it is it is in line with that conspiracy theory because they're trying to say there was some sort of nefarious romantic thing happening in the house with either the attacker or the third person. And the 80, the octogenarian Paul Pelosi. Right. So it's all anti-LGBTQ conspiracies. And Elon Musk decided to promote it on Twitter. And Ben Collins, a great reporter, made an appearance on NBC News talking about this conspiracy in particular. First of all, lies on the Internet move faster than the truth. And that's in part why there are all these safeguards that Elon Musk is trying to take down on Twitter right now. Um, the lies that were pushed were from bad pieces of information they found. For example, they said that uh, Paul Pelosi was uh, in his underwear. Of course he was, 2.30 in the morning at the time he was attacked. They, that led them to believe this was a lover's quarrel between two different people that knew each other. The reason they believe they knew each other is because the police put out a statement saying that they didn't really know who opened the door. So they, that led them to believe there was a third person in the house. Mm-hmm. So from there, there was this world building on the pro-Trump Internet. What could be the opposite of reality here? And the opposite of reality they came up with was these two people were having a lover's quarrel in a house and the police sort of intruded on us. It's fundamentally incorrect. It was pushed by the richest man in the world. And then yesterday, it was pushed by Donald Trump Jr., who posted a picture of underwear and a hammer and said it's a Halloween costume for Paul Pelosi. If we don't cut this out right now, not just the normalization of violence, but the idea that reality can't even exist anymore because it cannot catch up to the lies on the internet. I'm not a scholar on authoritarian history, but I've I've read Hannah Arendt, I've read all of these people. Mm -hmm. This is how it gets really bad. This is the start of something that gets really, really bad. 
if you are getting the guardrails off the truth, where it literally cannot catch up to the lies on the internet because of how the pipes work, how the system works, because of the incentives of the richest people in the world, then that's how you lose your democracy. Wisdom from Ben Collins. Absolutely. And that's why this is scary. So even if you're not on Twitter, (laughs) you have to understand that someone like Elon Musk, who is elevating conspiracies through his Twitter account, that he is more allied to the right wing, the conspiratorial right Without wing. Without a doubt. And now he's in charge of the the digital public square where millions of people come to access information. So th- this is, I'm already nervous about, I know I said information weird, I said information. I'm already nervous about what is to come with the midterms. I'm stressed as hell about whether or not Republicans are going to be winning some of these races. I'm terrified of Carrie Lake. Like I am genuinely stressed about the midterms. And then you add in Elon Musk taking over Twitter and his control over bringing terrible people back online, giving them a platform. I mean, he's going to bring back Donald Trump. Is he going to bring back Alex Jones for the love of God? What's going to happen here? So we're definitely going to be following this. And for all the Elon fanboys out there still listening to the show, I don't know how many of you there are. uh, Hold on, because we're going to be continuing to talk about Elon as the terrible person that apparently he is. Yeah, I will reserve comment about Elon fan people. We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. And of course, you can email those voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. It's the asshole of today. Davidson County Schools in North Carolina. Davidson County Schools where? In North Carolina. North Carolina. So they have a new lunch policy mm. that is proving to be controversial. And oh, I think I know what this is. I think you can probably guess because what the policy is, is that if a student uh, doesn't have money in their account or on hand to pay for their lunch, the cashier is then going to take their plate away and they're not going to be served a meal. And and if they don't return to the cash register, like if they don't go find the money somewhere, if they don't go ask someone for money and bring money back magically that they don't have, then they're going to throw the food away. Right. So, oh, you don't have money for it. Not only are we not going to serve it to someone else, we're just going to throw it away. You don't get to eat it. The trash gets it. Yes. And Davidson County School said that the lunch policy has been in place since 2011. Doesn't make it good or better. And the email that came out recently is just to let the cafeteria managers know that the policy must be enforced. So you can't afford to have a lunch at school. They're going to, they would rather put it in a trash can. Yeah, they're going to fill a trash can rather than a hungry child's stomach. I just don't understand the logic of this. It's already set aside. You're going to be putting it in the trash. Who gives a shit? Give it to the kid that doesn't yeah. have the money, that is hungry. What What is going on? Well, maybe that kid is wasting all of the money they earn at their many jobs <laughs> on other things. Mm. They, maybe they should be better with the money they earn at their jobs being an elementary school student, and then, you know, the problem would be solved. Yeah. Well, well I think I just solved it. This is why school lunch should be free, and yes. no one should have to worry about whether or not they have money to have lunch at school, because you need to have lunch in order to focus and learn 
and grow your brain and now i think six-year-olds should pull themselves up more by their bootstraps okay so davidson county schools libtar Brittany. <laughs> i'm just talking about facts Brittany page all right davidson county schools asshole today Again, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for sticking around. We are so happy to be back. I am so happy not only to be alive, but to be in the position that I am to have the platform that we have to reach as many people as we do. We'd love to hear from you, 657-464-7609, and you can email, I doubt it, at dollamore.com. If you are on the fence or you'd like to support the show, we'd love to have you. You can go to patreon.com slash Podcast. And choose a tier and support us that way. Help produce what we do that way. We will see you next time. Until we do, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt.